Welcome to the All or Nothing Podcast, where we bring to you companies and CEOs that are changing the game. And I'm your host, Rodrigo Ballone. This week, I'm bringing on a guest that was on our show last year, but I thought it was a good time to bring him back because the power of digital technology has really transformed how we consume content and do business. And if you don't have a digital growth plan, your business might not be open for as long as you think. That's why I'm excited to have our next guest on the show because he specializes in e-commerce and helps companies capitalize on their online business. So let's jump into it. I have the founder and CEO of the Seabay Group, David Ebel. How are you today? I'm doing very well. I'm glad to have you on the show again. Now, after almost two decades in the e-commerce industry, you decided to start your own company. So tell us, why did the time seem right to do your own thing? Well, that's a good question. I've been wanting to start my own company for, gosh, since I was I had my first company when I was very young, um, but the opportunities in the corporate space have always been really good. I think a lot of people experience that uh, when you're successful doing something, uh, there's always more opportunities to continue doing that. And working as an executive or as a manager uh, at a company is a much different thing than starting your own business. Um, there, you know, the salary is there. Um, the camaraderie is there out of the gate. You have an office to go to. You have clients to work on from day one. Um, so really, for me to make this jump, it took a combination of um, a real clarity of purpose. Um, and for, for Steve Group, the purpose was um, to develop a company whose sole focus was to be the best technology partner uh, a firm could hope for, with the idea being that that's exactly what big companies would need in order to navigate a more complex e-commerce industry, which is what we're facing today. Um, so once I got really clear on that's what I thought the market needed, and I felt a strong purpose behind that, the other thing was the funding. So through a combination of the success of my last company, which I was a partner in, and just some other things that were happening uh, with the home and the family situation, I found myself with enough runway to say, okay, now's the time. Um, so that's, that's really the circumstances that led to, to founding Seabay Group in January of 2017. Retail giants like Toys R Us and Macy's have been dominating for the past couple decades. But all of a sudden, it seems like these huge companies are closing stores down one by one. And e-commerce is a big part of that and has really shifted the landscape. Now, you spend your day helping companies when it comes to getting the e-commerce platforms on point. Can you talk about why it makes sense for companies to focus on the e-commerce side of their business? Sure, yeah. I mean, the sort of the death of retail, as it's been talked about, I think is a little bit overhyped. I think what you're really seeing is the transformation of shopper experiences to include digital. So um, the focus on e-commerce is really a focus on a holistic customer experience. It's the acknowledgement that the customer experience no longer starts when somebody pulls into the parking lot. Um, rather, the customer experience is a 24 by 7 thing. And so retailers who have learned that and have adjusted to that, you're seeing a pretty significant rebound. I think the best example by far is Macy's. Um, they're, they're producing double-digit growth in the retail sector. Um, they're doing it by... Uh, by their own admission, their CEO says, through a strong e-commerce presence, and that e-commerce presence is heavily integrated. So 
Um, you know, if you look at e-commerce as sort of just the digital extension of the customer experience, um, they carry everything through in-store as well. Um, so it takes a lot of money, it took a lot of innovation, and it took a lot of cultural shifts to get people um, to understand that, but I think it's being understood. Um, we have a presence at Shop Talk uh, every year, and in this year at Shop Talk in, in March, you know, what you really saw was sort of a re re resurgence of energy in the retail space. Um, you saw these innovations that we've been talking about for many years, you know, become reality and become more discussion of optimization and expansion rather than just pie in the sky ideas. Um, so the fo like I said, the, the, the focus on, on digital is, is just really the broadening of that customer experience to be a 24 by 7 ordeal for, for these retailers. For a smaller company or for someone just starting out, one of the key advantages of selling online versus a retail store is the low overhead costs. There are plenty of options to get a product from point A to point B without having to deal with the cost to stock the items in a big warehouse. What comes to mind when you think about how nimble and agile a company can get? Well, I guess that's an interesting question. It depends on you know the, the type of product or service that the company is looking to sell. Um, you know, probably the most notable innovation when it comes to being nimble and sort of avoiding the warehouse is, you know, drop shipping. And, you know, anybody who's seriously looked at starting an e-commerce site, you know, has to, to look at drop shipping as an option to bring um, more product options and less risks to the business. So what do we, when we talk about dropship, we're talking about looking at all of the little companies all across America and across the world who, have, who warehouse products. Um, and want to make those products available to independent sellers. And so by sending them, uh, by receiving from them catalogs and price lists, and by sending them orders, they'll go ahead and ship them, ship any number of products that they're warehousing for you, for your company, in a just-in-time capacity. So what that does is it allows me to download a catalog with you know, tens of thousands of different products, make those available on my site, and sell them tomorrow without having to worry about where they're going to be sourced from. Um, so dropshipping, the digital technology around that is really improved. There's third parties, third-party companies out there that will really enable you to get started quickly with very little complication or overhead. And it'll be essentially like selling your own products, with the exception of it's coming from somebody you don't even know necessarily in a, in a warehouse you've never seen before. Uh, so that's something I think is pretty interesting. Everybody knows that social media can help you grow your business but not everybody knows how to use it to make money. So what would you say to someone that is struggling to convert new customers online? Yeah, so there's, I mean, there's such a wealth of resources available for people who are looking to get the most out of social media. Um, everybody's an expert seemingly, so you, whether it's a book or a podcast or a website, you know, you're gonna find a dearth of people who uh, have it all figured out. And in my experience, you know, what those people are really bringing to the table is just attention. Um, if you're, you are putting the right level of attention into it, whether that's yourself personally or you're able to hire somebody um, to take that mission on, uh, with the right level of attention, with the right level of feedback and measurement, um, you can get a sense of what your customers are responding to. Um, you know, the innovations are there, so when we need to try something new and interesting uh, to see if it works, we can get those from any number of resources. But what really matters is the, the paying attention to the conversion, the feedback, 
the clicks, the links, the hits, all of those data points that you get through your Google Analytics or your social media platform. Um, you know, it, it's really about the customers that you're reaching out to. It's about the, the, your perspective or your existing customers and what re they respond to. Um, so how to make social media work, I think there's just so much abundance of, of resources to help with that. It's a matter of self-education and then really diving in and making it a project. Now, the, the other thing is, you know, it's, it can't be anybody's full-time job if you're running a business. So while I think it's important and even critical to understand it yourself at some level, once you understand it and once you have a model that works, that's when you need to sort of train and onboard a replacement pretty quickly so you can get back to running that, the day-to-day -day of the business. But that personal understanding, for me at least, it's gone a long way. Uh, we produce video series now and re release them on a quarterly basis. Um, you know, I can't say that the first video that we did um, particularly spoke to the audience, but uh, each subsequent video, um, you know, drives closer and closer to that message or that, that information that our customers want to hear and want to have, and we're just getting better and better all the time. When it comes to running a business, everyone thinks about getting their first few clients and how they're going to do it. But most of us don't think about what it's going to take to keep that client. And that's a big deal because once you close that deal, your client expects to see results. So what are some things that you do in order to set yourself up for success long-term with the client? Yeah, that's a fundamental, that's a fundamental question. And when I said the foundation of the company, the purpose of the company was to be a good partner, that's what it means. It really means, um, you know, we know we're successful in our purpose if we're staying with the client long-term. So if we come in, we do a project, we achieve some results, but ultimately that client moves on, then just by definition, we haven't been the best partner because they found somebody else to do the next step. So the way that we do that is we make it a core to our, each person who works at Bay Group. First of all, everyone at Bay Group is an, is an owner of the company. We're a 100% employee-owned agency. That was very important to me from the first day, and it's been woven into the fabric of the organization. So that means that the people who are um, working on these projects, they, they care that it's successful. But more practically, there's also a measurement criteria to that, which is every project we do is focused on the return on investment. So everybody is keenly aware of how much the client is spending on our services and what sort of numbers we have to look at to measure a positive return. Uh, and then our team is, is scored on that. So the success of a project is measured by the score of return on investment. That our client has. Not us as a company, but that our client experiences from our services. To take that a step for, for, further, I found that it was one thing to, to say that those were the goals and to put measurements in place. There's a third step, which is how do we make sure that when everybody wakes up and goes to work on a daily basis, they sort of feel the give and take that's happening on ter in terms of the client's revenue. So we developed a software application called Seabay Tower which is a real-time analytics dashboard that plugs into every one of our clients' existing e-commerce stacks, just through APIs. And it renders four screens that show us daily sales, orders, social, and traffic, so that we understand um, hour by hour how they're working towards their goals. So if we deploy something that maybe has a negative effect on conversion or average order value, um, within an hour or two of that being out there, we all see it, we all feel it by looking at the dashboard analytics. So that gives us the sort of real-time IV drip, if you will, of what the customer is experiencing based on our work. 
Those are great examples when it comes to making a company more efficient. We always hear that technology will take jobs away, but we really hear that technology has made it easier for small companies to scale their business. Can you talk about the opportunity that we have today when it comes to building a big business without all the hurdles that we had five to 10 years ago? Yeah, absolutely. So the first one I think that comes to mind is we have now an ability to find specialized resources all over the world um, and to engage those resources, those people, um, for very specific activities um, without having to hire somebody full-time. So you may need something done on the social media front, for example. You may need a campaign developed and ran. Um, that may be a one-time need. You may need somebody to cover an event. You may need somebody to produce uh, you know, some graphics. Um, you can go out anywhere in the world and find somebody on one of these um, sort of freelance sites. You can look at their reviews. You can get a price accepted by them, and you can get that thing done. And you can form a relationship with those people so that you can get these ancillary but very important tasks done through your business. Whether you're a small business or a large business, these things have the same amount of value. And you don't have to go out and spend the money interviewing, hiring, uh, training, and keeping that person on board. Um, so that's one way we can use technology to, to scale more efficiently um, from a people perspective. From a technology perspective, I think it goes back to these um, similar to Seabay Tower, these, these management dashboards um, that give us, uh, allow us to look at an, and coalesce an enormous amount of data very quickly and easily. So you know, for, for our business, which I still consider to be a small business, um, we're looking at project performance, financial performance, even employee performance. We're looking at all these things um, in dashboard real-time fashion. Um, that's something that just would have been enormously difficult to do, especially for a small company 10 years ago. One of the technologies that really hit mainstream over the last year has been blockchain. And it's starting to become clear that blockchain's ability to decentralize information will have a major impact on every industry across the board. So how do you see blockchain impacting the business world over the next decade? Yeah, blockchain is something that I'm really interested in. I, I recently uh, signed on to be a Forbes magazine contributor in the subject of blockchain and emerging e-commerce technology. So look forward to some, some articles uh, on the subject expressing a little more in depth my views on it. But I think in general, you know, blockchain is extremely useful for things um, such as GDPR, which is the most recent data privacy rule that's coming out of the EU. Um, but if you, you've got to take a step back and look at it more simply, right now you have a profile on every e-commerce site that you purchase on. That profile is as secure as whatever company stored it, um, and you have as much information about that profile as whatever that company enables you to have. There's essentially zero sharing in between your profiles at different e-commerce organizations that you've purchased from and maintained accounts in. And to update any one of those profiles requires that you go to each one of those sites and update it. Uh, anybody who's checked their email recently has seen a slew of messages from random sites they probably forgot about, but that they have accounts on saying, hey, we're, we're making changes to our privacy. And that's related to GDPR. And it illustrates the problem. So with something like blockchain, it gives you the ability to create a profile of yourself that can be shared um, and modified or, or leveraged by any number of e-commerce sites with the transparency that you need, with this, but also with the privacy and security that you require. 
Um, this is something I think everybody's going to start seeing come into practice very quickly here because um, not only is it cool, neat technology, but it benefits everyone. It, it creates more privacy protection and um, you know isolates from liability to some degree e-commerce companies who are very worried about you know press releases, hacking, breaches, things like that. But it also gives you much more control over who you are and then what your profiles are on these different websites. So uh, blockchain is going to hit us pretty hard, but it's going to hit us in ways that don't require us to change our behaviors very much. And that's good. Anytime you've got a technology change or technology shift that really just enables us to do what we would already intuitively want to do, then that's something that's going to take off. The concept of e-commerce seems simple. You set up a website or an app, people come, and they buy your products. But ever since the dot-com era, we've all realized that it's not that easy. So what are some to-dos and some don'ts in order to get an e-commerce business started on the right track? Well, the first one is going to be pick your platform. <laughs> um, those of you who follow the news saw that Adobe just purchased Magento, the Magento e-commerce platform, which is big news. I think um, you know, definitely like any major purchase of their largest acquisition in, in 10 years, um, there's going to be winners and losers. I think if you're a small-time retailer doing less than $5 million a year and you're on the Magento platform, I think it's probably bad news. Um, you know, the jury is still out, but the way I would look at it, at least today, is that you have a very large enterprise platform company, Adobe, who's now gobbled up Magento, which has always sort of straddles the very small market and the large market. Um, never really defining itself as either or, well, now I think it's, it's pretty clearly going to head in the direction of an enterprise platform. So what does that mean if you built a successful e-commerce business um, doing one or two million dollars a year on or less on Magento? Well, you know, it means certainly the future is uncertain. Um, you know, contrary to that, I think a platform like Shopify is interesting. Shopify is a very affordable platform. Um, it's a very capable platform. Um, and it's it's emerging in many ways. So, uh, you know, I'm not saying Shopify is the right answer for everybody, but I think that that conversation of what platform do I start on is probably one of the most important first platforms that, or first decisions that you can engage in, and it will probably affect the business the most over the years. We kind of talked about this earlier in regards to products. As they become more commoditized, the experience becomes more important. Now, as a business. You want to deliver the best experience possible, but at the same time, you don't want to overspend to get there. So what are some things that you focus on in order to create a win-win situation for you and the customer? That's a great question. Man, you're good at this. You should be. You should host a podcast. Oh. <laughs> uh, so when it comes to investing in customer experience, the the answer is really boils, the answer really boils down to return on investment. Now, there are platforms and technologies out there that provide a, a high level of confidence in giving you a return on investment that's greater than your spend. What do I mean by that? I mean if you invest in reviews technology or recommendations technology, um, these things can increase your average order size. In some cases, increase your conversion to the point where it's very clear to you um, that you're going to make more money than you're going to spend doing this. And if that's true, or if you're very certain that that's true, even if the return on investment is a little bit greater than the spend, 
um, it's worth doing. So, you know, the, those are the decisions that are easy for a business to make. How, you know, how do I go out there and look at partners that can tell me, I'm sure we're going to make you more money. If they're sure they're going to make you more money, then tell them to put their money where their mouth is. And, you know, I've seen a lot of clients benefit from that. Companies that have done that very successfully, they become very regular partners that we recommend to our clients because we know you're going to spend $20,000, but you're going to get $20,000 more a month. Um, that's an easy decision. That's an easy win for the client, an easy win for us. Um, where you start to deviate is when you look at doing things that um, seem intuitively correct but are not out in the market anywhere else. So maybe you've got an idea and you think, I would love to see this personally, um, or my wife thinks that this would make shopping so much easier. The problem is that those type of anecdotal ideas tend not to scale very well. Once you apply it to the masses, um, you may find out that, yes, your wife does, and 12% of your shoppers also like it very much, uh, but the remaining you know, 78% hate it. So um, look for proven technologies and look for partners that can um, you know, really promise that, that their technology is going to give you a bump in revenue and that they're willing to, to bet on it. David, that was a great interview. Is there anything else you want to tell our audience before you go? Uh, no, I, I appreciate you having me on again. I hope we can have another conversation like this and uh, you know, get some people involved, maybe answer some questions because it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I appreciate talking with you. I want to thank David Ebel, the founder and CEO of the Seabay Group, for being on the show. And if you want to hear more interviews like this, make sure you follow the All or Nothing podcast on iTunes, the Podbean app, and you can find it on our website, thecoolmedia.com. That's a wrap for this episode of All or Nothing, where we bring to you companies and CEOs that are changing the game. And I'm your host, Rodrigo Ballone.